I said this on the note on Wednesday. This was big time. All-Star coming back to Utah 2023. JP Chunga, round ball roundup on utahjazz.com. And let's keep this in mind. When we get to this moment, it's down the road. All-Star game coming here. Remember the foundation was laid in 1993 with the very first All-Star game. After that, this town hosted the Olympics in 02. It's been hosting Sundance Film Festival over that stretch just before when the All-Star game will happen. And it's bidding for another opportunity to host the Olympics. This place has grown so profoundly The fan base around the Jazz has grown so profoundly since those finals appearances in the 90s. Donovan Mitchell coming onto the scene and Quinn Snyder being established with this squad. This team, this organization has grown, and this is a validation for that as the All-Star Game gets announced that it'll be in 2023. Everybody has their favorite All-Star memory, Donovan Mitchell's. Say the one that I won the dunk contest for sure. Um, That's a big one uh, for me. Um, the one in Dallas was a big one. I just liked the jerseys, um, the blue, um, and the blue and reds. And then the one in New York, the year before I got to the NBA. Um, I remember watching the dunk contest at Griff's, at Dale Griff's restaurant with my roommates when Zach and Aaron went at it. Um, that was special. That was, that was really special. Brian Russell's. I had a ball. Uh, it was in Washington. Me and Deshaun Stevenson was in there. He, we did the little dunk thing with the duo. I mean, just getting there was exciting for me. To be named on a ballot to go shoot some threes with some of the tops in the league, I was, that was wonderful. That's my moment. Gail Miller. For me, for my family, for our fans, and for the whole community, it was an electric and thrilling experience and one that I will always remember. This arena was just two years old. The West won the game. John Stockton and Carl Malone were named co-MVPs, which was fitting. And today, we are honored to welcome the NBA and the All-Star Game back to Salt Lake City. Remember those green seats of the Delta Center? Well, it's changed now. It's renovated. It looks great. It looks like a modern arena. We got new Selena Gomez music, and we got the All-Star announcements. It's been a pretty good week for people who enjoy bombshells like that. And the thing that it afforded us, an interview with Adam Silver about the process that went into choosing Utah as the place to be for All-Star 2023. It's going to be Chicago this year, Indianapolis, Cleveland, and then back here in Utah. So we'll be able to have the entire NBA calendar. All of NBA media will descend on Salt Lake City for that brief stretch. Aaron Falk and I caught up with Adam Silver to discuss ramifications of that. Well, it's something we began discussing several years ago and it, it, around the renovation of the arena and essentially working with Greg and Gail and Steve. The notion was, well, if we can get this done, this incredible renovation, which would make us one of the you know, top tier in terms of our arena capabilities and operational abilities, um, 
could we look at getting an all-star game? And, and, you know, our response was absolutely. And as I said during the press conference, certainly all ties go to longevity of the Miller family and what great supporters they've been of the league for many years. But I think in addition, people from all over the country and really from all over the world love coming to Salt Lake City. It's a great destination in February. Um, it's a, it just, you guys have a city built for tourists. And uh, so that's a real added bonus um, for, for bringing an all-star here. And as I said in the bid, um, with all the upgrades to the arena, it, it frankly made it an easy decision. My only regret is, uh, while there are many deserving cities in the league, I feel it's a little awkward when we're up there on stage and we're talking about three and a half years from now. <laughs> I think everybody's all excited about this. Let's, let's get here sooner than that. But many deserving cities in the league, and, and, and we're just thrilled to be back here. Well, and you mentioned that your first All-Star game was 93. What do you remember from the event and what made this attractive? It, it, it will always be a special one for me because it was, it was I'd been to an NBA All-Star game before in Chicago when I was in law school, but it was my first All-Star game as a league employee. And uh, I, I, first of all, I remember feeling overwhelmed. I remember thinking, how does everybody else know what sort of comes next? There were all these league employees, and I guess there was a pattern of what happens on Saturday, what happens on Sunday. As I said, back then it was really All-Star Weekend. It wasn't the week of activities we have now. But I remember being amazed operationally at how things worked in the then Delta Center, you know, that just how smooth things worked in town here. I, I finally remember staying at the Little America Hotel, um, and, um, and, I, and I remember the warmth and, uh, uh, of the people and, and the great hospitality in town. So that, that all-star will always have a special place in my heart, and I think it's going to be really cool for me. You know, hopefully I'll still be in my job at the time. That, that When you're talking about three and a half years from now, I, I assume I'll be here, that um, it, it's going to be fun to be back here and just think, wow, this is the, my you know, 30th anniversary of that all-star game. Three and a half years is is quite a long time, and, and I know everyone's always looking at ways to improve. What do you, what do you like about All Star Weekend or All Star Week as it is now? And and are there things you're you're I guess looking at maybe um, improving or changing over the next few years? What I like the most about it is that it's a gathering of what we always refer to as the NBA family, um, because we of course don't have neutral site finals as you know a Super Bowl, for example, where you can plan in advance and everybody can be there. All Star. Um, festivities become the place where you can plan, um, obviously in this case three and a half years in advance to get your tickets, but you can plan well in advance um, as a destination. Um, it's where all the various constituent groups in the league have meetings, everything from you know, the, the trainers, you know, the, the doctors, every, you know, the general managers, we all come together here you know, you know, and, and for a celebratory time. You know, so it's around the game, and, you know, but it's really all those other festivities, the entertainment. I think one, one of the things we continue to look at, of course, is the game itself. Um, and I think that's, there's been a change in all of sports. It's not just um, in basketball and the NBA. And because there's such a premium on competition, I think there's in some cases even pressure on some of the players not to go all out in, in an all-star game because, of course, winning championships is what the league is about. So we, we, we continue to try to find the right balance of entertainment and competition for, for All-Star Weekend. As you guys know, we've experimented with things over the last few years in terms of having captains select teams and, and moving out of an East versus West format. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, three and a half years it is actually a long time from now. And I know our competition committee, working together with our Players Association, has been just thinking of other ways that we might approach 
all-star. So my hunch is by the time we're in 2023, the format will look different than it is now, and maybe even some of the events on Saturday will look different. But, uh, you know, we're, we like to think of ourselves as a fan-first league. And as much as we love all these events that surround all-star, that we, we don't want those events to overwhelm the competition itself, which is really what this league is about. So, I, you know, I can't even predict precisely where we'll be, but it'll be different by the time 2023 comes. From the All-Star to the league-wide issues, what's the real possibility of having a mid-season cup-type tournament? A really interesting question, and something we spent a lot of time on. And, and I've said before, I am a proponent of it. Um, I, I am a fan of um, international soccer leagues where there are multiple competitions, as many, uh, as many of our general managers and um, basketball folks who've been in this business for a long time said to me, who also follow um, other international leagues, that there should be more to play for than just the Larry O'Brien trophy, as important as that is. I also recognize that a fair commentary from people say, who will care by just adding a mid-season tournament? And my reaction is that I get it, but I think over time we can build new traditions in this league. I think we're still experimenting, um, or I should say, you know, noodling different formats. You know, maybe possibly it, sh it should look more like a holiday tournament around the Christmas holidays rather than mid-season, in part because one thing we've heard loud and clearly back from our players and our teams is we love the All-Star break, and we think it might overwhelm All-Star to try to sort of um, combine that with a mid-season tournament. So we're, h we're hard at work at it. I, I, I am hopeful we can get something done because I, 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 I do think that we can add a little bit more competition to this league and create something else that will, that will be fun to play for. You're always working to improve fan experience, player experience. Um, obviously, we had an incident last year here in, involving um, Russell Westbrook. And I was just curious what your thoughts were on, on how the Jazz franchise handled that and, and sort of the, um, I guess, maybe what the lessons are for the league there. My, my reaction is, number one, um, there's certain things that are always going to be outside of our control, and that is with when you're in the live event business and you're filling arenas around the country with 18,000, 19,000 people, there's always going to be someone who's going to do something that is outside of our rules. But number two, um, amazing how the Miller family, how Gail stepped up and handled that incident. I, I think that's how ultimately w we should be measured by how we react to those moments that we can't control. And I think in this case, um, Gail made a powerful statement by taking the court in the next game, not only to talk to the fans here in Salt Lake City, but we have a global audience and, and was an opportunity to restate those values of the Miller family, of the jazz organization, and frankly, on behalf of the, old, the entire NBA. And I know I spoke to the entire team shortly after. They, it really meant a lot to them to hear their, their ownership group step up and talk directly to those values. And, and I'm sure for the 99% of fans who come to the arena and only want to have a good time and watch the competition, they don't want to be distracted by a fan incident either. So um, I, again, I, I just think it, I, I, can't, I can't imagine a better way to have handled it than the way the Miller family did. One of your hallmarks of your time as commissioner has been your conversations with the players. What have you learned from speaking to Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz's star? It's, it's, it's amazing when I think about my conversations with Donovan only because he's so young. I have to remind myself sometimes that um, he's just wise beyond his years. Um, he, uh, and, and I've spent time with his mother as well. Um, he, he's just a, a fabulous young man. And I, it's, you know, it's, he's a commissioner's dream. I mean, and, 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 and 
you guys could have asked me about a lot of other players on your team or around the league, and I'd say it's one thing that, in a, in a good way, I think because of social media, increasingly there are more ways for fans to learn how multidimensional our players are. I mean, I think in the old days, they really saw them as more one-dimensional. They were ball players, and they, maybe there was some media around them, but they didn't get to know as much about them. I think now through social media, and, and even a podcast like this or, or this format or things that players do on their own where they can communicate directly with their fans, people are able to see that young men like Donovan Mitchell, how committed they are to their community, community, how thoughtful they are about issues um, around them, you know, outside of basketball, um, how much time they spend and not looking for attention or credit, but how much time they spend in their off seasons committed to working with kids. Um, that's the example with Donovan and, and his mother. I mean, of course, he grew up um, not far from where I grew up. Um, you know, I, I'm from Rye, New York. He's from Greenwich, Connecticut, but the towns are right near each other. So I, I knew of him, I mean, sort of because he was a great high school player. Um, when, when he was younger, before he reached the league, but uh, again, he, he he he's he he's just an outstanding um, young man, and 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 to see him blossoming as a player is as well is, is just wonderful. Salt Lake and, and Utah has had good local TV ratings. Obviously, the media landscape is changing. Um, how do you keep pace with that league wide, and, and how do you uh, kind of what what, is, what are the issues facing the fan experience in, in 2019? Um, in, an, another fascinating question. Um, we keep pace of it by trying to learn new things every day. I mean, I'm, I'm a student of the media industry. I began my career as part of NBA Entertainment, um, the, the production, and now the digital arm of the league. Um, we, we watch closely what other content providers do, certainly not just other sports leagues, but on a global basis, um, whether it's in China, whether it's in India, whether it's in the United States, how, are, how is programming streamed, what other forms uh, technology is used to engage fans. In the league, we have a media committee um, that meets quite frequently to talk about these um, changes. In fact, there's a, there's a meeting just in about a week and a half from now, and Greg Miller, um, is the governor for, for the Utah Jazz, is part of that committee. We have a lot of expertise among our ownership groups around the league, and we continue to share best practices and encourage our teams to experiment as well. So, you know, whether, whether it's watching what Netflix is doing, or Amazon Prime, or YouTube, or Twitter, um, you name it. There, there's, there's fascinating things happening out there with streaming technology, I think which will all accrue to the benefit of the NBA, because at the end of the day, we have this incredible content, but the extent through technology, we can find ways that additional ways for people to engage in it, and you can imagine what that means. It's people refer to it as the gamification of sports, all kinds of new fields, uh, ability to make predictions, um, ability to have a deeper understanding uh, from a statistical standpoint of likelihood of making um, shots. Also, e-commerce, I, I saw this application um, in China recently where through, if, if, uh, as a player's moving on the court, you can click on that player and you can instantly order that player's shoes. I mean, it's, just, it, 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 it's, as, it's as vast as your imagination runs. We'll get you out on this with a hard-hitting question. I've heard you uh, answer this question in the let, past. Let the record show I'm smiling. <laughs> Where did you learn your handshake dap skills? Because you, it goes on display during the draft. Everybody gets to see it. Where did you learn how to dap? I, I, I can't say I've learned anything because I realized that um, I, I, as many people, I think, are sort of um, laughing at, at my handshakes as, as complimenting me. So I would only say, believe it or not, it's very natural. I, I've said this before. I follow the player's lead or whoever's hand I'm shaking for that matter. And, you know, I, I think, you know, mo most of these handshakes 
these days, I was did the ring ceremony last night, I think are full out bear hugs. <laughs> you know, it's just, you've been in the league for a long time. You know, we all have relationships with each other. Um, and I think it's, it's just our own, you know, to me, I'm, I'm just looking to be warm and greet people in a, in a friendly manner. Um, sometimes it, it, it may look awkward. Uh, I, you know, again, I, I, there, there's certainly no science behind it. And, and even when I get asked that question, I feel awkward because I'm thinking, what exactly do I do? And <laughs> I, I, I honestly, it's not, it's, it's not calculated. It's, it's sort of w whatever in the moment feels natural. You seem like a good good dapper at least well, well thank you you could be a good dance partner i bet you've gone way too far now. <laughs> commissioner thank you so much for the time we look forward to it and hopefully see you back here for uh nba playoffs and obviously all-star 2023 yeah thank you guys I'm, i will be back here a lot of times before all-star 2023 so thanks for Never had a taco fall situation because I am five five in a quarter, according to the media measurements that at Trib Jazz did. Find it on Twitter at Trib Jazz. Media decided to bring out the tape measure, take off our shoes, and get our official heights. I will say, what's the big deal with this observation? Why is everybody concerned? You can't podcast without shoes on. It's just a requirement of the entire job. So when I say I'm 5'8 in the media guide, I'm not really lying because I'm wearing shoes when I'm doing my job. Home opener happened, and OKC falls to the Jazz 195. Donovan Mitchell leads the way with 32 points in truly a spectacular outing, 14 of 22 from the field. He had 12 rebounds alongside, and it looked more like one of those really dominant college players who are just launching up shots and grabbing their own offensive rebound because that's what happened to Donovan Mitchell on a couple of plays. He showed that athleticism that everybody knows him to have. He jumps out of the gym. There was a point where he grabbed three straight offensive rebounds, wasn't able to get the shot down, and that's probably just an impact on that field goal percentage that he ended up on the night and that dunk that he had breezing past Danilo Gallinari you've seen it on Utah Jazz's Twitter he was sensational he is sensational and he continued to show it in game number one on the other side of the ledger Mike Conley was not able to show everything that he has displayed when he came from Memphis Milt Palacio appeared to take over his body rather than the real Mike Conley. Will the real Mike Conley please stand up? One game is just one data point to point to. This is when these games we can start analyze and start looking at them. Mike Conley going an outlier performance of 1 in 16. That's not something that you can really build off of. 1 of 16 is a bad number, 0 of 6 from 3, but he has the self-awareness at the free throw line to pump up the crowd when he sinks 2 to ice the game late. Conley gets it. He knew he didn't have a great night and said as much when it came to his post-game down in the locker room, and he needs to be better for this team to maximize everything that you have. Like, if Donovan Mitchell gives you that type of night, the 32 points, shows his athleticism... Mike Conley ought to offer you a little bit of something as well. And I thought Boyan Bogdanovich bounced back from an unlucky preseason outing. He had a little bit of a niggling injury during the game, but ended up with 16 points on the night and 6 of 14 from the field. He gave you a little bit of a punch to add on to the spice that was Donovan Mitchell. That's what needs to happen going forward. And for Mike Conley to start out on this wrong foot, 
I'm not trying to add some sort of pop psychologist angle for you, but it is difficult when every single home opener has been in FedEx Forum out there in Memphis. He's gotten used to an organization, gotten used to a new place. You know, I want to let you hear from Mark Gasol because he joined the Woj podcast. It took him a little bit of getting used to. But we knew it was coming to an end anyways. Uh, So even Mike knew that if he stayed a couple more months, um, you know, it was going to be tough. We talked, you know, throughout that March and and April and then obviously May and June, uh, we we kept talking and he was so happy and and he was just asking me, how how does it feel to play for another team? And, you know, how how does it feel? I'm like, so weird. Like, I actually sit on the same seat on the plane that I had in Memphis. (laughs) Yeah, and and it's, it's just... And I always had Mike next to me for 11 years. So it was just weird like to look like, oh, well, he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> and on the bus, obviously the seat, the seat is different than I had in Memphis. But, you know, I always had Mike behind me. And, and you know, and, and I always, like, you know, lay, lean back kind of and, and talk about the game, if everything went good or bad or he, you know, would change something or not. So he was just always my, my, my guy that I, that I always found – trust and comfort and and somebody that you know it'll be a friend for for life this is a new place it's weird to see mike conley start an nba opening game in a place that isn't memphis isn't with the grizzlies and gasol he explained a little bit of what went through his move from memphis to toronto these are the things that these guys are dealing with off the floor makes them human makes them people Week ahead for this team, national television, you'll be able to see the Lakers play against the Jazz on ESPN. Five players returned to this L.A. squad from last season. LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, Rondo, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and JaVale McGee. Two of those guys were injured for the game on Tuesday. And I know we want to go Lakers, overreaction, take big things out of one, but I think if I say... It's just one data point for the Jazz. That applies for L.A. And you have to realize the Clippers look really good this season. You saw it last night against the Warriors. L.A. might have two bona fide candidates in this entire Western Conference. And Ethan Strauss over the Athletic, he had a fun look of putting the Lakers in that same class as the Clippers. NBA insiders say it's Clippers by a mile. It isn't with the Lakers in concert to that. There's a dichotomy between public perception and what the insiders think about basketball. Without a doubt, though, you're going to be seeing a team out there that is ready to get back into full force and shake off what they had against Kawhi Leonard and that squad, even though they might not be a rival. Clippers, that is. Kuzma's out which is concerning for L.A. because he's their third-best player. As they gel, Kuzma's going to need to be a big part of that. Danny Green, really good addition. He is always in a position to receive the basketball. And when you're playing off of great playmakers like LeBron James and Rondo, you can get the ball in good opportunities to score. Jazz need to make sure that they are locked in on him. Lakers reserves don't scare me. 60-19, to 19, they were outscored. Rigo Bear said after practice he doesn't expect Anthony Davis to line up and, and play that bully ball post-up style. According to Dave McMenamin over at ESPN, Synergy Sports had it at 22, the number of post-ups for AD, which is a huge number. When you're playing against Rudy Gobert and playing against this defense, which 
appears to have figured things out from the preseason, that's not a good idea. That's not going to be a story that'll get you points. Playing on the perimeter and how Royce O'Neal matches up with LeBron James or whoever is guarding LeBron James at the moment, that's going to be the matchup to watch. Saturday night back at Vivint Smart Home Arena, a little bit like asking for The Rock and getting Tyrese for a Fast and the Furious appearance. Still NBA basketball here in Utah, and the Kings will be without Marvin Bagley, who is out four to six weeks with a thumb injury. This guy's their most reliant rebounder. He's going to be replaced with Nemanja Bialica or Harrison Barnes as that number four in their lineup alongside Dwayne Dedman. Bialica provides a little bit more of that three-point shooting, but doesn't offer as much on the interior. Their backcourt also a little bit injured as Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox are dealing with some things. Heald day-to-day with an ankle injury, and they've got Portland tonight. So that team's going to be on the back end of a back-to-back after this team was already blown out by the Suns, who the Jazz will be seeing on Monday. Jazz against Ricky Rubio. Make sure to catch our coverage online, utahjazz.com, and of course, subscribe and rate favorably iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify to find Round Ball Roundup here on utahjazz.com. We'll catch you Monday. I'm JP Chunga, and until next time, bye for now.